Welcome to Unlocking the Truth. We are excited you are joining us in this podcast by Preset Ministries Canada to discover God's truth for yourself and to know Him deeply. You are listening to the series Follow Me with Mark Sheldrick, where we will look at six characteristics of a true discipleship of Jesus Christ and His call to follow Him. We encourage you to study along with the 40-minute Bible study, Being a Disciple Counting the Real Cost. You can find this 40-minute Bible study on our website. Now here's Mark Sheldrick in Unlocking the Truth. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast, a ministry of Preset Ministries in Canada. So glad you could join us this week for the episode as we start this new series on discipleship. I'm looking forward to this series because this is the heartbeat of Preset Ministries, and we just love to work with followers of Jesus Christ teaching them to observe, interpret, and apply scriptures. Just came back from a wonderful weekend in Regina, Saskatchewan. Beautiful weather there uh, for this time of year. Uh, They got a lot of snow just before my arrival, and then during the weekend it was sunny and warm and no need for for, uh, big, heavy coats. What a blessing it was to be at uh, the church in Regina, just teaching the Word of God and preaching on Sunday and just watching as the classrooms were full of people taking New Testament letter uh, training as well as our 40-minute leader training. And that is just a perfect segue into the very fact that we are looking for locations for 2023 all across Canada where we can bring this training to you and we would love to come to you. I have uh, a desire and a hope to be able to visit a number of provinces in uh, 2023. So if you are interested in hosting with us, visit presetministries.ca or email us at training at presetministries.ca and uh, talk to our, our team, and we would love to discuss further how we can bring our inductive training to you. Nothing better than being in a room full of people uh, engaging in the study of God's Word using the inductive study method. And so you can uh, have that happen and introduce people in, in your church, in your community to uh, Precept Inductive Bible Study. So uh, check it out. But uh, let me pray. And as we get ready to uh, get into this podcast, uh, looking forward to what the Lord has for us in our time. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all that uh, we are about to see. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are at work in our country. We thank you that uh, we have classrooms filling up again across Canada in person where people can study the Bible uh, using precepts, inductive study tools. Father, we thank you for our um, people who are hosting workshop training in different parts of the country so that we can uh, engage new people in the study of your word. And Lord, thank you for this podcast and the technology that comes with it that we can get this uh, teaching out over the airways and that it would be a challenge for those uh, who are listening to it uh, today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, folks, just, uh, you know, very interesting uh, topic that we're coming into in the topic of discipleship. And I just wanted to lay out a couple of uh, definitions before we begin on discipleship and then uh, just talk about that. A little bit further and then dig into the text and look at uh, the first call of the disciples this week. 
and then to see how Jesus kind of what I called front-loaded ministry for them. They he laid out for these disciples everything that they needed to know uh, before they really got on to that three-year uh, journey of Jesus mentoring these men to be able to take the gospel throughout the world. So the word disciple in the Greek, doulos, it's a, uh, a misunderstood word because we have so many uh, different types of uh, definitions now of, you know, a disciple or not really many different definitions of a disciple, but we have people who follow everything. They follow something in the world. And uh, you can think of when you hit the like button on Instagram or on Facebook, you now become a follower of those people who uh, are on there. You don't really have a relationship with them. You don't really know them. You just follow their content. But a disciple, uh, doulos, the definition is a follower, but a, a learner. Uh, it's a lifelong follower or a learner who adheres to the teaching of their master. This is much different than we would see of somebody who just clicks the like button. Uh, although, you know, we have seen that there are people that are on the social media front that uh, do uh, use their social media platforms to to draw people into their their agendas. I mean, right as we are uh, recording this, we're seeing the world just go up in arms over Elon Musk buying Twitter and what's going to happen to this platform. And people are just thinking like, you know, am I going to lose my voice and my content and the people I follow, will they be blocked and all of these different things. But what we're talking about here is somebody who makes the commitment, that makes the commitment to follow after somebody else, to learn from them, and to hold on to their teaching. Uh, that is what we refer to uh, the a doulos, a disciple. Uh, it's one who follows the master Jesus, all right? It's one who follows Jesus day by day uh, for the rest of his or her life, having repented and believed in him for eternal life. Let me just give that to you again. A, a disciple is one who follows Jesus day to day for the rest of their life, uh, having repented of their sin and believing in Jesus for eternal life. These are uh, part of the definition of doulos. The word uh, disciple uh, is only used in Scripture in the Gospels and the book of Acts. But a word that we understand to be disciple uh, is believer. So believer equals a disciple. All right, so this is really important for us to understand as we get into the topic over the next uh, few weeks that we're going to be looking at um, the disciple and the call to follow, the cost to follow, all of these different different things that we are going to look at. Let me give you uh, quickly three things from the book of John, from the gospel of John, and if you get the, you can write these scriptures down, you can rewind them, you can play them back. And uh, these three things uh, are the marks of a disciple. Three things that mark a disciple. The first, 
uh, one, a disciple loves as Jesus loves. That's John 13, verses 34 and 35. Uh, secondly, a disciple of Jesus continues in his word. John 8, verses 30 to 32. And then finally, the third mark of a disciple is that disciple bears fruit in their life. Uh, they bear th- fruit in three different ways. Uh, the fruit that they bear, first, uh, they bear the fruit of the Spirit, and that is Galatians 5, 22 to 23. They bear the fruit of righteousness, Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. And then they, bru- they um, bear the fruit of good works, found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. So uh, one thing we want to be sure of to know is that a disciple, as a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ, they have had life transformation. They have moved from one position to another position, and they now follow after Jesus. They no longer follow after themselves or follow after the things of the world. They've made a commitment to learn from their master. This is one of the things that I really am being challenged with in our ministry to head into 2023, is looking at how we can create different groups of people that have mentors who are leading groups of 12 people. These mentors who are seasoned leaders of precept that they've been leading for a while. They know how to lead our studies and they can mentor and teach a group of people to uh, follow in the way that they have been leading their studies. And what will that do as we uh, raise up leaders and teach them how to lead our inductive studies, but also then they can go and find people that will follow in their footsteps and lead. The impact of this, you know, it's a slow growth process, but the impact of this can be great for our country, is to create more followers of Jesus Christ, to create more passionate people who follow after Jesus with all of their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. And so this is one of the key areas in the entire church, that the entire church should center their entire ministry around is making disciples. And it's odd that sometimes, sometimes, maybe not in every church, but I have encountered churches, I have pastored at churches that have not taken discipleship as a priority in their ministry. It's vital that we take this as a priority. Why? Because one of the goals of a disciple of Jesus Christ is to make disciples. And so that's what we see in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. And I'm not going to cover those verses right now. I promise you this. By time we finish the six episodes, we will have talked about this very, these very verses multiple times. You probably know these verses off by heart. If you don't, I hope you do. Go to your Bible and, and underline them. Because this is the mission of of a follower of Jesus Christ. It is to go and make disciples. So primarily, a disciple, they are in relationship 
with Jesus. They're following Jesus. And all of this to fulfill the goal of making disciples, everything that we're going to see throughout these six episodes is that there is a massive involvement in self-sacrifice. And that's what we're going to look at today is to start this out is what we need to see in what these disciples walked away from in order to follow Jesus. And this is why it's so important for us to look at these characteristics. You know, I'm I'm praying and, and seeking the Lord's direction and where should we go after these six episodes? Should we spend time in the book of Romans or in the book of Galatians looking at doctrine? Because we are in a situation in our country and in North America, where some of the main major doctrines of the Christian faith are falling apart. They're not falling apart, but people's belief in these major doctrines are falling apart. And so we want to be people who understand what does it take to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the first thing it takes is it takes great self-sacrifice. In the fact that we're talking about self-sacrifice, that's absolutely contrary to what the world teaches. Because the world teaches gain everything for yourself. All right, so let's begin to look into the scriptures. Uh, quite the introduction to get into the scriptures, but let's look at uh, some of the text concerning uh, the call of the disciples. And we want to start with Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 17 to 22. And up to this point in the Gospel of Matthew, we have Jesus' genealogy. We have the birth of Jesus Christ. We know that John the Baptist was preaching that one was coming greater than him. We have Jesus who was sent into the desert, and he was tempted by Satan. And then we have uh, Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 17. It says, From the time that Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Uh, now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in his boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. It's very interesting because this is you know, one of those stories that are taught since Sunday school. And, you know, I remember when I was teaching Sunday school to primary kids and we were using the flannel graph. Oh, the flannel graph. How amazing was the flannel graph? Is it still around, folks? Is that is that still something that's very popular to use? I remember when I was doing my Christian education service uh, class in, in university and they said, you have $500, $500 to spend on curriculum for your mock project if you were working at a church. And I spent the whole 500 bucks on flannel graph. <laughs> I even brought flannel graph into the class to present it. 
and I taught on these very passages of how Jesus called the first disciples using those little flannel flannel guys and the fishing nets. But here we have in this that Jesus begins to, he picks up the message that John the Baptist was preaching, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Jesus comes on the scene, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And then he's walking by the Sea of Galilee and he calls Peter and Andrew, who were fishermen, and he tells them, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And that's just an amazing thing to think of right there, going from being fishers of fish to now I've got something for you to do in being fishers of men. And verse 20, verse 20 is what catches me uh, every single time. The word immediately. We don't need a Greek word study for us to understand immediately. It, it's they accepted the call to follow. It, it seems within the text there wasn't even a second for you to stop for them to stop and think about what was going on. Uh, I've heard uh, this explained, and, and people try to explain away the, the immediateness of this, that, yes, uh, Jesus was, was out and he was ministering, but here we have the fact that when Jesus showed up before these men, they dropped everything that they were doing and followed after them. I mean, can you remember? Can you remember the moment that you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you remember the moment that the gospel pierced your heart and the call was to believe in Jesus Christ? Was it immediate? Did you immediately follow after him or did you ponder it? It's interesting that we see throughout the scriptures that Peter is always the first to speak. He's always the first to, to jump to conclusions with Jesus. But here, we do, Matthew doesn't give us any indication that Peter responds in any other way than get up. In, in the world that we live in today, we see a number of people that receive a challenge to do something, and, and the response is a hesitation. It's a, it's a, I wonder what, what's in it for me? Like, do you mean get up right now? Like, can I finish putting the, mending the net? You know, we, we, we fished all night. Can, can I, can I do it right now? You, maybe, maybe later. Doesn't, the text doesn't indicate any of that. The text indicates that Jesus came and stood before these two men. And when he said, come and I'll make you fishers of men, they got up and went. And they began to follow after Jesus. <laughs> Verse 21, uh, going out from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat, with Zebedee with their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. <laughs> what? What? They just 
got out of the boat and went after Jesus. And they left their father behind, who they had been fishing and mending their nets with. It doesn't seem that there's any question to whether these four men had for Jesus. They just got up and followed, immediately following. Twice in the text it tells us, immediately they followed. There's a great challenge here for us. In the very sense that each of us, we all follow something. Uh, for me, you know, I with with sometimes with great regret, I've I have to admit I, I follow the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, some of you listening right now maybe maybe laughing at that very fact. And why would you put yourself through that torture? But I follow I follow them, and and there are days when I when we get to the playoffs and I'm really passionate about them. And, you know, sometimes that, that can consume my day to, to look and hear what, what's being done in the media. Like right now at the discussion is, should they fire the coach or not? And everybody who follows the Toronto Maple Leafs is waiting for some sort of move to happen because they've had a really slow start to their season. But we follow and we pay attention to so many different things. We can follow so many different things on, on social media. And the key will become, as we walk through the rest of this text, the question is, we need to say to ourselves, who do we follow and what do we follow? Because are we following after Jesus in the way that these men did, immediately dropping everything and following after Jesus? Or does our relationship and our following after Jesus become a secondary thought in a heart full of different passions? Immediate shows high priority for me from this text. It looks to me like these four men, all fishermen, this was a part of their their wages and their and their lifestyle. This wasn't just a, a thing of joy to do, but this is how they made a living and they dropped it all to follow after Jesus. Well, as we expand on the text, we see that in Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 16 to 22, Jesus is going to uh, lay out some critical information in that front-loaded ministry of This is what it means to follow after me. And in verse 16, he he tells he tells us uh, what he what was going to be involved with the disciples, and he said, uh, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts scourge you in their synagogues and you will be even brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about what you are to say for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speaks, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. 
brother will betray brother, death uh, to death, father, his child, his children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated all because of my name, but it is the one who endured to the end who will be saved. <laughs> when, when I read this and uh, multiple times have taught on this in some of our on in our training workshops that we do around the country and looking at these verses in, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 22, I, I can't help but do a, a quick comparable to when you see some uh, programs that you want to be a participant of. Everything that you see is all those, all those positives, you know? Oh, even better, even better. Think about, um, you ever seen some of those drug commercials on TV uh, in the United States and they advertise things like, oh, you know, you'll be able to run around and play tennis and, and run with your grandchildren if you take this drug because it's so good for you to take this drug. And look at, look at uh, Joe, how well he's doing. I've got no pain. I've got no arthritis. And then they start to give you the details of all the side effects and the side effects are just flying off the screen. And you're like, wow, that might be really amazing to, to take that drug because, oh, my knees, I'd love to run around with my grandchildren and my kids. And, oh, oh that'd be so good to take. And then you see all the side effects and they start running up that screen like crazy. And you're like, whoa, that <laughs> does the benefit outweigh the side effects? When you see what Jesus is doing here, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute, you mean that if I follow after you, that I need to be aware of men in the world? Uh, are, are you saying that there's a potential that I could be scourged and beaten because I follow you? <laughs> Uh, wait, governors, I could go to, I could be arrested. I could be arrested for following after you. Wait a minute. Are, are you saying that there could be some separations in my family? That there could be even to the point of death? That fights in problems within I could be ostracized from my family because I follow you Jesus responds and says you are going to be hated because of my name but endure to the end and you will be saved I mean as Jesus front loads this he he tells us he tells us the exact opposite of what many people in our churches today who sit in the pews believe that they are disciples of Jesus Christ. And when difficult times come upon them and they look out and they say, why is this happening to me? How can a loving God allow all these things to happen? I thought my life was going to be so much better and glorious and I was going to have riches and blessings and all of these wonderful things in my relationship with Jesus Christ. But I feel constantly that I'm at war with the world. 
Well, you are. Because true disciples of Jesus Christ, ones who drop everything and follow after him and follow after his teachings and live out his teachings in obedience and stand up against sin in the world, you're going to be hated. I remember sitting in a workshop with a, with a woman who was studying these very verses in our, in our training. And she began to break down in tears because she now understood why her family was constantly fighting with her. Her larger family when they got together. It's because they didn't like her faith in Jesus Christ. But she stood firm and held fast and overcome, overcame. But to see the reality of all this before us is the very fact that Jesus lays out that being a lifelong follower and a disciple of Jesus is not easy. The benefit, the end game is well worth the suffering. But there is suffering in following after Jesus. He continues to teach on on the disciple in verse 24. He says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they they have called the head of the house Belzebul, how much more will they malign the members of the household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hair of your head are all numbered, so do not fear you're more valuable than the sparrows. There's a couple things here that we want to look at. And the first is that Jesus tells us that a disciple is not above his teacher. It never gets to that point. You're always going to be learning from your teacher. In the same way that we, until the return of Jesus Christ, will continue to grow in the knowledge of the one we follow. We're going to keep keep learning. Just recently, I had the opportunity to complete the study of the entire New Testament using precepts inductive method in the precept upon precept books. The last one I needed to finish was 2 Corinthians. And somebody said to me, wow, you've conquered the New Testament. Amazing. What are you going to do next? And my response was, get a new Bible. Start again. Because we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. We're never going to out-know the one we follow. And so there's some very important information here that we need to pay attention to in light of the culture that we're living in as well. And that is the very fact that as Jesus continues his teaching through Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 22, he talks about fear. 
And he talks about where our fear should be placed. That our fear should not be placed in those who can kill the body. But our fear should be placed in the one who can kill both body and soul. Essentially this, don't fear man, fear God. And you see, the world that we're living in with this cancel culture, we're, we're living in a world where we are becoming afraid to speak out what we have learned. We're afraid to be canceled. We're afraid to, to offend. We're afraid to, to stand up when we see things that are happening that are not wrong that are wrong. We could, we could be doing such a better job at teaching others the word of God so that they could stand up and hold fast and stand firm to the truth of God's word in the midst of the culture that we're in. You see, we have people that are, have really taken only one foot out of the boat. You see, we saw uh, two men who were called get out of the boat and follow Jesus, leaving their father behind. But here, we, we want to have one foot in the world and we want to have one foot in the boat and we just don't want to go all in. And we're going to talk about that in the next episode when we look at the cost. Because there's great cost in following after Jesus. But you see, we can't be people who fear men. We can't be afraid of those who uh, will have the ability and could possibly take you to death. We need to fear the one who can take away both soul and body. You see what's at stake here? What's at stake here is just dying versus eternal life. And so the call to follow Jesus is when we follow Jesus with our full heart, our whole soul, our mind, and we overcome and we endure to the end eternal life. And as we saw in the previous section, that when we stand up, for the truth of God's word, and we stand up for, for the one we follow, there's going to be some difficult circumstances. And I can see that growing in North America. Uh, that's been happening around the world for a long time. We have precept people who are arrested all the time for standing up and teaching God's word. And what do they do? They leave the police station, and go back and teach God's word. They don't fear man. They fear God. They know what God has done for their lives. They know the sacrifice that Jesus has made, and so they continue to press on because they want others to experience the same salvation that they have experienced. We need to be those people in Canada. We need to be people who aren't afraid to get canceled, who aren't afraid to stand up against the teachings of the world. Just this week, talking to a public school teacher friend of mine, 
who's almost in tears over the very fact that he has to teach uh, different genders to kindergartners. This is the culture that we are living in the midst of. We are living in a culture that is conforming to idolatry, immorality, the worship of sex. All of these things are, are the focus of what are to be followed. And Jesus says, don't fear the man. Don't fear, but fear me. Fear the one who can take it all away. We've got to be people that, that don't compromise to the world, but stand firm in the teachings of Jesus Christ and, and live and speak his word without fear. Why? Because his word has power. Power for salvation. Let's continue to the end of the, the, end of the passage, and this is what uh, Jesus continues to teach. He says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set man against his father, and a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found, found his life will lose it. And he who has not lost his life for my sake, uh, who has lost his life for my sake, will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. <laughs> I just can't help but stop and think, even going through these verses again, how powerful these teachings are from Jesus Christ. How powerful they are to show us the commitment that Jesus is asking us to take. That when he comes and he says, follow after me, and our response is simply, yes, we get out of the boat and we follow after him. He tells us that we're going to be scourged, we're going to be beaten, we're going to be taken before the courts, we're going to be taken and arrested for those things. We're going to be having fights within our families. Uh, there's going to be division that occurs. All of these things occur. Don't fear man. Follow after me. All of this, because he who receives me receives the Father. Eternal life. He lays all of this teaching out and he says, following after me is not going to be easy. It's going to be a difficult decision to make because this is the reason. You've got to leave everything behind as you know it. You've got to leave all things that you desire, that you purpose for, behind. This is a huge decision to make. It is the greatest decision that anyone will ever make in their life. And the decision is not just leaving their life behind. It's a life or death situation. Do we understand that 
This is a life or death situation. We choose life in Jesus Christ or we choose death in pursuing ourselves. I'll never forget the moment that I heard the gospel message for the very first time. I was nine years old and I was at a Christian service brigade camp. It poured rain the entire time. My sweet children's Bible got soaking wet in the tent and it it blew up to be twice the size. I still have that Bible today. And I hang on to it to remember the day that I heard the gospel for the first time and I thought the gospel was more important than anything else at nine years old and I began to follow after Jesus. And in around my high school years, I began to have this great desire, like probably many Canadian boys, and that was to play hockey in the NHL. I pursued that with all my heart. I, I, I practiced an hour at the arena before my team's actual hockey practice. I didn't do any extracurriculars in high school. My entire focus was on hockey. I wrote letters to numerous universities down in the United States and told them that I wanted to play for their hockey team. I was scouted by multiple universities. One of my, you know, shoulder brush times was when I was scouted by Harvard. (laughs) Didn't go there. Not sure I ever had the grades to go there, but Harvard came and watched me play hockey. University of Notre Dame came and watched me play hockey. All of these these uh, places tried to recruit me and bring me into uh, their teams and scholarship and all of this stuff was what my hope was so that I could get into the NHL. And when I was 17 years old, God laid before me and he said, follow me. Follow me. And he told me that you will teach many, you will lead many, and you will write for many. <laughs> Pardon? But Jesus, I'm already following you. I'm, I'm going to church and I'm going to youth group and I'm, I'm living my life to glorify you. And he said, follow me. You see, my passions and my desire were NHL. My passions and my desire were not following after Jesus Christ. That was a, a, a secondary relationship that I had, but my main love and passion was hockey. And all that was taken away in an instant with an injury. And now, I follow after Jesus. I lead many, write for many, and teach many. God has fulfilled his calling for me through this ministry that is precept. But you see, when Jesus called and he said, follow me, it wasn't until the second time that I heard that I got up and went and followed after him with my whole heart, soul, and mind. You see, the sacrifice is great to follow after Jesus, but
but it is so worthy of doing it. He doesn't want us to half-heartedly follow after him. He wants people who are going to walk in his footsteps, learn from his teachings, and fulfill his goal of making other disciples. Think about it as we wrap up. Do you remember when you were first called to follow? How are you doing since that time? So often we're the most passionate people for Jesus in those first few days and first few months when we follow after Jesus. I heard a Bible study leader this week tell me that when she was called to Jesus, she got rid of records and she got rid of all kinds of different rock music, anything that didn't glorify God. And then she went in full pursuit of Jesus Christ. To this day, full pursuit of Jesus Christ. Witnessing at every moment that she has. Sharing with doctors and nurses and all types of people as she shares the gospel. When you, when you talk to her, you can't help become passionate again about evangelism and, and sharing the truth of the gospel because she has sold out for Jesus. She has given up everything to pursue Jesus. This is the call that he has. It's not an easy one. It's not easy teachings. It's not easy to know that even our relationships with our mom and our dad and our brothers and our sisters can be sacrificed. That, that the teachings of Jesus are going to divide us. And let me tell you, in this day and age, the teachings of Jesus, just like when he first taught them, are going to bring great division. Because his word is truth. He is truth. He does not lie. And we're living in a world that makes up their own truth. The gospel is offensive, but the gospel is transformative. Follow Jesus. Follow him with your whole heart, soul, and mind. Father, we do thank you for the time that you've given us together. Lord, I pray as we continue to work through these teachings over the next six episodes that you would guide us, you would direct us, that you would convict us in the areas where we're not in full pursuit of you. May we glorify you in our lives. May we make an impact as others see you in us. Help us to be people who keep our focus on making disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, friend, for joining us in today's podcast of Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website, presetministries.ca, to further your journey in His Word by registering into a Bible study class, a workshop, or leadership training that will give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.